you're tuned to More Living with Jim Brogan, broadcasted live from the Brogan Financial Studios at News Talk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator, and he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for almost 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn, folks, because More Living with Jim Brogan starts now. Welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I have a very important question to ask you. You've probably heard this question before. You may have even had this question. How much money do you need to be able to retire successfully and confidently? I get asked that question a lot. You know, it wasn't too long ago a national company ran a campaign around what's your number? As if there's some number out there in the sky that gives you financial security. The reality is uh, everybody's answer is different. How much income do you need? What are the other risks to your income in retirement? What do income taxes look like in the future? What about inflation? Inflation in the last 12 months, close to 5.5%. The highest we've seen in a long time. Where are we headed with inflation? Inflation is the silent killer of retirement income. It kind of sneaks up on you, and then all of a sudden you wake up one day, and you're like, where'd my income go? What about stock market valuations? I mean, the market's expensive right now. Should it be expensive? But on the other side, bonds aren't attractive. With interest rates so low, that actually means bonds are also very, very expensive. So how do you create a comprehensive plan that can provide for your needs in retirement and for your desires to a large degree? That's what we're going to talk about on today's show. We're going to get into the five key areas that need to be addressed in a comprehensive retirement financial plan. And only one of those areas is how you invest your money. And unfortunately, so much focus in, in, in the financial industry is on the investments. And, and understand that. How you invest your money is extremely important. Uh, maybe as, you know, well, maybe one of the two most important things in your retirement plan. But these other things are also critically important to your success. So we're going to kind of dive into those things. Now, I'm going to start today's show with the importance of your income plan. I'm actually going to start with it because it is perhaps just as important as your investment plan. Now, these things need to be carefully coordinated together. And this is one of the principal advantages to a comprehensive plan. All these pieces of the puzzle fit together. You know, what I have found, almost everyone that walks into my office, they do their investment planning, their investment management over here. They really don't have an income plan. Who knows how they determine their Social Security benefit, you know, in terms of how they did their election of when to file. Then they've got their estate planning over here with an attorney if they've done legal documents. 
They have their CPA do their taxes, but that really isn't forward-looking tax planning and being intentional about income taxes. It's tax preparation, which is completely different. And then what about the health care risks of aging? You know, people are living longer and longer lives. That means you need your income to last longer. You're also more likely to need more medical care, including the threat of long-term care. So all of these things are critically important and fit together. Let's start with the critical importance of an income plan. You know, when you, when you retire, it's really no longer about how much you've built and how much you have. It's how you take what you've built and what you have and convert it into dependable income that can last longer than you do. And that can increase over time to fight inflation. Now, certainly the amount that you've built has a big part to do with that. I mean, the more you have, the more you can convert, the, 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 more, the more effective you can be at converting that life savings into the income you need in retirement. But, you know, you've probably heard me say many times the plan that gets you to retirement is not the plan to get you through retirement. Because there's a different set of pressures and stresses on the nest egg when you're retired. Think about it this way. For 30, 40, probably 40 years in your life, you've been saving and accumulating money. Especially in your retirement accounts. But you've been saving and accumulating. You've had a job that pays you earned income. Or maybe you have your own business, but you're earning the income. You're not living on savings and investments. You're living on earned income. Well, now, the day that you retire, you cross a very important threshold. And that threshold is you no longer have earned income. So now, where are you going to get your income? Now, some of you listening today may have a, a big pension. And between your pension and Social Security income, you're in pretty good shape. You really have the income you need. Any additional withdrawals would be for un unforeseen things, health care expenses, maybe if there was runaway inflation. But for most of you listening, you need to draw from your life savings. And that puts a different pressure on that nest egg because you're not saving and accumulating anymore. So you've gone from a savings phase into a spending phase. You're now drawing from your investment. And that puts a different set of pressures on the nest egg. So the, the you know, most people, when they're investing prior to retirement, are investing for long-term growth. That As they get closer, maybe you start balancing risk and reward, but you're not really structured to secure income. So here's a good way to say that. How dependent on the stock market are you to be able to retire if you're looking at retiring? Let's say you're looking at retiring in the next one to five years. How dependent are you on the stock market to be able to retire. Or if you've already retired, what would happen if there was a major bear market in the next couple of years? If you are retiring in two or three years, what happens if there's a major bear market next year or in two years or even in three years? How would that affect your ability to retire? See, with a good financial plan, there's no reason it should have any effect. Because you shouldn't be depending on the stock market in the short term. You know, one of the fundamental rules of stock market investing is it's a long-term investment. 
And when we say long-term, that doesn't mean how long are you going to be alive. That means how long until you're going to need a draw from that investment. You know, if you came to me and you said, Jim, in one year, I'm going to need to draw out $30,000 to buy a car. So how should we invest that money? Would you put that in a growth mutual fund? I mean, I have no idea where the stock market will be in a year. It's nothing more than a gamble. You might as well go to Las Vegas and throw dice because that's what you're doing. Markets, stock market in particular, is not a short-term investment because we fundamentally don't know what's going to happen in the short term. And unfortunately, I have found that in the last certainly 10 to 15 years, the stock market is driven in the short term, is driven more by macroeconomic events than it is by fundamentals with stocks. You know, a great example of that is think about what happened uh, with Great Britain and, and uh, you know, Great Britain looking to withdraw from the European market, Brexit. When Brexit was announced, the market immediately cratered the very next day. And my thought to that at the time was, well, companies are earning just as much money today in Great Britain and in Ireland and in Scotland than they did yesterday. It hadn't affected businesses and their ability to earn money. And we have no idea how Brexit is going to affect the economy in, in Europe and therefore in the world. But the market reacted to the short-term news of what the market thought may happen in the long term with Brexit. And the reality is, within really just a few weeks, it was in the rearview mirror. See, that didn't have really any fundamental impact on companies' abilities to make money. And when you invest in the stock market, that's essentially old school. That's what you're investing in. You're buying ownership in a company. You're buying the future earnings of that company and the future growth of that company. But in the short term, anything can drive the price of that company or the stock market as a whole. So we have no idea what might happen in the next year. Now, if you say, how's this investment going to do in the next seven or eight years? We've got a little bit more predictability. Now, that's not enough to just be full-on stock market risk, but let's go back to the income plan. If, if you wouldn't put money in a growth mutual fund that you need in a year to be able to pull it out, or you'd be gambling with it, will it be down in a year? Will it be up in a year? You have no idea. So if, if you're going to draw income in a year or in two years, why would it be in the stock market? Because you have no idea where the stock market will be in a year or two. So the income plan is about structuring your investments to provide for stability of income in the short term. And that's critically important. And I, as I say, I think the income plan is just as important as the investment plan, especially in today's volatile, choppy markets. You don't want to depend on the stock market to be able to retire on your terms in a year or two, or if you're already retired, you don't want to depend on the stock market in order for you to be successful. Because what happens in that first five years in retirement has a very disproportionate effect on the long term. 
I mean, a big market decline in the, in the first five years, if you're living off of that investment, that means that when the investment is down, you're having to spend you're having to sell those investments and spend the money as income. You'll compound your losses, and it will never, ever come back because you've spent it. See, it's okay to sell something when it's down and reinvest it, but you don't ever want to sell it when it's down and spend it. But if you're living on those investments, that's, you don't have a choice. And, and that's a huge risk with today's stock market prices. Now, the flip side, please don't misunderstand me. I, I don't, I'm not saying don't invest in the market. Because the reality is interest rates, I mean, look at interest rates today. They're at historic lows. The bond market's not going to do anything for you over the next 10 years, more than likely. Not the traditional bond market. So I'm not saying don't invest in the market for growth, but that money should be dog-eared for long-term growth. Not 20 or 30 years, but at least 7 or 8 years. So then you're not dependent on what happens in the market in the next 2 or 3 years. You know, in the next 7 or 8 years, we're... I'm pretty confident we're going to have a bear market where the market goes down more than 20% and isn't like what happened in the pandemic last March where it happened so quickly. It went down so quickly and then up so quickly. Typically, it lasts much, much longer than that. I'm pretty confident it's going to happen in the next seven or eight years. I'm pretty confident it will happen in the next five years. But if you don't, if you're not depending on that money for seven or eight years, you don't care if it happens next year or in three years. I mean, what if in the meantime, as the economy opens, the market continues to surge? Well, you're going to need that growth in investments in order to fight the battle of inflation. So structuring income in the early years of retirement to be dependable and stable and not subject to stock market risk is the first part of that income plan, uh, equation. And then the second part is growth of income to fight inflation in the long term, which is just as important. All of that's important. And then, of course, the piece that also comes into play with your income plan is when do you file for Social Security income and benefits? It is critically important. So the income plan is one of the fundamental parts and maybe as important as any other part of a comprehensive financial plan. Now, when we come back, I'm going to get into the investment side. How do you invest in this type of a market where stocks and bonds are both very, very expensive? And how can you have a, an opportunity to beat inflation and not take too much risk along the way? So stay with us. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back. This is More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm your host, Jim Brogan, and we come to you every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. and again at three to from 3 to 4 p.m. You can also catch all of my radio shows. We podcast them on my website. If you go to broganfinancial.com, click on radio, you can see the archive there. We also put our dollars and cents segments, when I, which I run uh, throughout the, the month. And we'd love for you to just dial into all of the information that, w- that I provide that we provide and that I provide so you can make informed and prudent decisions to impact the quality of your life. Today we're talking about 
all of the components of a successful financial plan for retirement. So much focus is on the investment side and investment management and what stocks and bonds and mutual funds and should you use an annuity, all of those questions. But there are so many other important components that also come into play. And how much money does it take to retire? The answer is it's different for everybody. The reality is, is that there are risks for most people regardless of how much money you have and how much income you need. So we're discussing those things today. I talked about the income plan in the first segment because it's perhaps just as important as the investment plan. And a lot of people I've found don't really properly plan for income uh, because in retirement, it's not about how much you have. It's about how you convert that life savings into dependable income in the short term and growth of income in the long term. So in this segment, we're going to talk about the investment plan. And maybe just as importantly, how does the investment plan support the income plan? So, you know, I mentioned you don't want to be living on, on market investments in the early years of retirement because we don't know what's going In the short term, we just have no idea what markets are going to do. We know in the long term, 30 years, markets, the stock market has always delivered. That doesn't mean it always will, but it always has. But what about in the short term? So let's start with how likely is it we could have a decade where we don't have good growth in the stock market. You know, I have some people ask me, well, Jim, in, over the course of 10 years, the market's going to be robust. Well, is it? So I went back to 1900, and I looked at every 10-year period since 1900, and I did this a few years ago, uh, in one-year increments. So in other words, 1900 to 1910, 1901 to 1911, 1902 to 1912, you follow, there's over 100 of those. So what percentage of those markets averaged an average return? The market on average is up 9.5-10% per year over that entire course of 100 plus years. So what percentage of those markets made an 8 to 12% annualized return, an average return? Believe it or not, it was only 22%. Now, what percentage made less than 8% per year? It was 44%. And then what percentage made more than 12% per year? 33%. You know, big numbers, uh, more than likely the market's going to do either above average or below average. Now, we don't know what the next decade will look like. The last decade's been great. Since 2011, the market has been over 12% per year. Things do typically move in cycles, but, you know, we don't know the next 10 years. But I, I, all I'm bringing this up for is that there are decades where the market doesn't have robust growth. So if... You know, if you retire and there's a big bear market early on, or whether you have a big bear market early in retirement, how do you have money that's protected that can provide stable income like I talked about in the first segment? Well, you've got to have that money set aside in things that are safe and stable. So I like to think of everything you save and invest, think of it as going into one of two buckets of money. You have a safe bucket of money and a risk bucket of money. So safe and risk, let's define these two buckets. 
The way I define safe money, ideally, you have a guaranteed return of principal. Now, if it's guaranteed, you've got to look at who's backing the guarantee. Or if it's not guaranteed, it's very stable. So it's not subject to a lot of stock, to stock market risk at all, and it's really not subject to a lot of interest rate risk either. You know, bond funds, traditional bonds are subject to interest rate risk. So those aren't necessarily safe unless they're really short-term bonds. And then risk investments don't have any real kind of certainty. Now, there's different shades of risk. You could be conservatively at risk. You could be aggressively at risk or anything in between. But there are really no assurances of stability. So most people that are approaching retirement or if you're already retired need a pretty decent mix of both of these. Safe money provide stability. They provide certainty when there's a lot of uncertainty. They also provide a source to draw stable income where you can sell those things and they're not, you're, you're confident they won't be down sharply in value because they're not in the stock market. Now, the, there's a problem with safe money. There is risk, and that is inflationary risk. Can you earn enough to beat inflation? And there are ways to fight that battle in the safe bucket, but ultimately, the best way to fight inflation long-term is the risk bucket. The problem with the risk bucket is there's no stability, especially in the short term. But in the longer term, maybe there is some stability. In other words, will the market grow over the next 30 years? It's pretty darn likely. It's never not grown since 1900 over 30-year periods. So, but you know, in a two or three-year period, who knows? So most people in, the, in, in retirement need both of these kinds of money. And then, so I like to segment it that way. And then in the early years, in that first five years of retirement, at least, you want to live on the safe money. You do not want to be living on the risk money. Because if you're living on the risk money, you know, those things are going up and down and up and down. And inevitably, they're going to be sharply down. That's the nature of the stock of markets. And that means when they're sharply down, you're going to have to sell them and spend that money as income. And as I said earlier, you'll compound that loss. So one of the fundamental rules of wealth management is not to sell and spend an investment loss, especially a sharp investment loss. Now, it's okay to sell and reinvest when it's down, but you don't ever want to sell it and spend it when it's sharply down. Well, we have no idea where the market will be in one or two or three years. So you need that safe money to live on in the early years of retirement. And then your risk monies can grow. Now then, the next part of that, though, is, is how do you structure the risk investments to be the right amount of risk? You know, investing is all about balancing risk and reward. None of us want to lose money, but we all want to make money. And it's a balancing act. You know, if I don't need money for 30 years, if I'm 35 years old and, and contributing to a 401k, and I'm investing for the next 30 years, I can take a lot of risk because I have 30 years to wait for that to smooth out. The shorter that time period, the less, you know, when I get down to even 10 years, 
As I mentioned earlier, markets only aren't always robust over 10-year periods, so I need some protection in there, meaning I need more diversification, more balance of things that when the stock market zigs, you've got some stuff that zags. And that means that when the market is down, you don't lose as much. Now, the flip side of that is that when the market is up, you don't make as much. Because the idea is, you know, in, most people that come into my office, when we look at their market investments, they've only got probably two or three asset classes. When we look at diversification, they've got large cap stocks in the U.S. They might have some foreign stock. And they've got U.S. bonds. And heck, I met with uh, someone this week that came into my office, really only had one asset class, large cap U.S. stocks. But most people I usually see have two or three, as opposed to nine or 10 or 11. You know, the idea is if you have a little bit of a lot of different things, you've always got something that even when the stocks are down or stock funds are down, you've got some things in the portfolio that are helping hold up the value of the portfolio. So you don't lose as much in the down market. But then the flip side, you've, when the market booms, you're, you're going to have some things that aren't going to make as much. So see, that's a balancing act, and that has to be measured. And there are two factors there. When are you going to need that money potentially for income? You know, if you don't need that for 10 or 15 years, you can take more risk. But if you need it in five years, you just can't take as much risk. And then it's also how much risk are you comfortable with? You know, behavior, our human behavior is such a critical component of our financial plan and how we invest. You know, most investors sell at the wrong time or buy at the wrong time. And so part of that is the psychology of what can you expect from your investments. And when you get something that's a big surprise out of left field, it's easy to panic. And oftentimes, that's the worst thing you could do. You know, what if you sold on March 15th or March 20th last year? Man, I mean, the market's up over 100% since then. In a year and a half, it's up over 100%. So it's measuring the risk. You know, how is the portfolio likely to do in a, in a, in a bear market? How is it likely to do in a bull market? You know, we know that you can't predict future returns, but measuring risk and reward is actually a pretty good predictor. If we measure the past, it's a pretty good predictor of the future. So we can look, we can really analyze almost any portfolio and have a pretty good idea. Nothing's certain. We can't know for sure. But, you know, if your expectation, if you have a million dollars and your next, and your expectation is in a bear market, you would lose you know, if the market was down 40%, you might lose $150,000, and that's your limit. If it exceeded that with a good plan, I mean, it could exceed that because markets are unpredictable. But you're not going to lose 325000 when you expected your loss might be limited to 150. Yeah, you might exceed it by a little. I w you know, you shouldn't exceed it by a lot unless there was some sort of a global calamity. So... You know, you can have some confidence and understand how the plan is built around your income plan and your tolerance for, or maybe a better way to say that is your appetite for losing money when the market is down. And you can have the long-term growth because you're not depending on it in the short term. So how the investment and income plan work together is so critically important.
and then measuring risk. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go a little bit over on this segment because one thing I do want to mention is the danger of bonds in today's world. Interest rates are at his, are still near historic lows. The Fed is still saying they're going to keep interest rates low for the foreseeable future. So that's really bad for the bond market. You know, if bonds and, and interest rates move in an opposite direction. So in other words, if interest rates go up in the future, bonds go down. So think about it this way. If interest rates stay where they low where they are, bonds aren't paying anything. And if interest rates go up, bonds will do even less. See, historically what bonds have done in a portfolio is they provide balance to stocks. Among other things, they also provide income, but they provide balance to the stock market. So when you know when the market is volatile, people rush to the safety of bonds, and it helps balance the stocks. Diversification. So it does help in the short term. The problem is if you don't have a way to have a little more stability in your portfolio but not be stuck with either low interest paying bonds or decreasing values in bonds with interest rates go go up, if interest rates go up, you could really be hurting. I would say if I'm measuring over the next 10 years, bonds are a larger risk to your success than stocks. So that I do want to leave you with that. The way you use bonds in a portfolio is so critically important. You want to be able to get some of that stability, but you want to have a way to have growth. And there are ways to do that. There are bonds that go up with interest rates instead of down. There are ways you can have bonds that are hedged where they can give some juice when the stock market's good, but ultimately it's primarily a mixture of bonds. I mean, there are different things that you can do there. But that balance of safe and risk money and how you balance risk in the risk bucket and be wary of U.S. bonds. Now, when we come back, we're going to get into two more key areas. Actually, in the last half of the show, we're going to do three key areas. In the next segment, I'm going to talk about tax planning. We'll save the last two for the last segment. So stay with us. This is More Living with Jim Brogan on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back. This is More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. We're on News Talk 98.7 WOKI every Saturday at 9 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. You can catch us online at broganfinancial.com. If you'll click on radio, we've got all our podcasts there. Also, check out our resources. Click on the resource page. We've got a lot of things we publish to help you make informed and prudent decisions that can impact the quality of your life. So it's va- I think it's valuable information. I hope you like it. Also, you can click and, and read my blog. Uh, today, we're talking about really all the major components of a financial plan. And I want to ask you a question. Where do you think income taxes are going in the future? Actually, we know they're going up. Uh, it's a fact. Under current law, income taxes go up. Tax rates go up in, in 2026. They go back to the rates before the uh, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, what many call the Trump tax cuts. 
but where be you know beyond that or is you know are, are taxes likely to go up this is probably one of the two biggest issues i have people ask me about today the other is inflation and i think of all the things that can happen the next 10 years economically i think the one thing that is most likely to happen is income tax rate increases and not only that they'll go up more but they could go up substantially across the board for almost all taxpayers so tax planning you know income taxes are the largest expense you'll ever have in your lifetime if you worked and having a plan to reduce the tax burden especially in retirement is becoming more and more important because taxes are likely to go up and when you have the double whammy of increasing income taxes and then having to start forced distributions from your retirement accounts at age 72 you know those required minimum distributions from IRAs 401ks accounts that you've not ever paid the income tax on most if not all that money and so you know how much that is I mean it's a just right at four percent it's slightly less that first year but that's a good number to give you a good ballpark of what it is so at that point you're not going to have a lot as much control of your income taxes as you do prior to 72 in retirement because you have to take these taxable distributions and that's taxable income and then you have that double whammy of the increasing the likelihood of increasing income taxes so how you manage your tax planning is so important very rarely do I see people properly looking at this you know to be clear I'm not a CPA but what do CPAs actually do well most do tax preparation don't get me wrong I've, I know a lot of CPAs have a tremendous respect for CPAs and some of them do do tax planning but most prepare taxes which means they're looking in the rearview mirror they're looking at things that happened last year they've already happened you already got your 1099 or your W-2 and you can nothing you can do about it tax planning is looking forward and being intentional about the taxes you pay today and the taxes you may pay tomorrow things like positioning assets to be able to take advantage of long-term capital gains a lot of people don't really understand the benefit of long-term capital gains rates there's a risk they could change in the future but in our tax code they for a long long time they've been better rates than ordinary income but many people don't have their investments positioned to really even be able to take advantage of that you know investments in an IRA or 401k don't get capital gains tax treatment then there's the IRAs themselves and how should you be utilizing Roth if you're close to retirement or already retired should you be considering Roth conversion I mean there is an upfront tax cost to that but what might your tax be in the future you know if you converted a low tax rate today and your tax rate in the future is a good bit higher that might be a benefit as long as that upfront tax isn't too high because you don't want to hit your life savings too hard early on if you're a younger investor should you be putting money in Roth or traditional do you even have a Roth 401k alternative and if you don't should you be supplementing your traditional 401k with a Roth IRA if you don't if you're eligible and eligibility if you're working is defined by how much income you make 
So all of these things are critically important. You know, when you, when you do things like Roth, you're saying, I'm going to pay the tax today because taxes are likely to be higher tomorrow. Or maybe your taxable income will be higher tomorrow because of RMDs from your IRAs or, or, what, or you know, what else the case may be. So it's just very, very important. And the amount of money that can be saved, I'd say a lot of seven-figure clients of ours will save hundreds of thousands of dollars likely in income taxes with effective planning over the course of 20 or 30 years. So there are tremendous opportunities. You just have to know how to plan. And, and you know, most investment people don't really look at taxes. Most tax people don't really look at investments. All these things have to be coordinated and tied together. And understanding how the tax return, you know, I mean, as I say, I'm not a CPA. We don't do tax returns. But I understand how those things get added into the tax return and how the taxes are applied. So it's critically important. So tax planning is becoming more and more important in today's world because remember, it's not how much you make, it's how much you get to keep. Now, I do want to mention, these are the things I cover in my college classes. And my, my college classes, my next one is at Pellissippi State at the Hardin Valley campus. And they're on um, August 24th and 31st, two-hour sessions. You can find out more at Thrive, excuse me, Pellissippi, the name of the class is Thrive Financially in Retirement, but you can go to PellissippiRetirementPlanning.com and you can pull up the syllabus, you can watch a short video and you can click to register. Two two-hour sessions if you're retired or getting ready to retire. I talk about all these five key areas. We spend a good bit of time on tax planning and how can you effectively lower your tax cost over the course of your entire retirement. Now, when we come back for our final segment, I'm going to have to do it kind of quickly, but I'm going to cover both estate planning and planning for the risks of rising health care costs. So stay with us. This is More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Thanks for tuning in this week to More Living. I'm Jim Brogan as you listen to News Talk 98.7 WOKI. And we're talking about all the critical components of a retirement financial plan. It's not just how you invest money. It's not just how you draw Social Security. There's so many factors involved. And more those factors are becoming more and more important, like how do you structure income? How do you reduce income taxes? I kind of I figured I'd kind of run out of time today. I'm going to cover the last two areas very quickly. Estate planning. And let's, let's use a different word for that. Let's call it legacy planning because really it's about your legacy. You know, one of the things I don't like about the phrase estate planning is most people think it's all about reducing income taxes, uh, excuse me, estate taxes, or maybe better put, reducing taxes to your heirs. Or it's about how you structure things to go to your heirs, and it's all about the money and the assets. The thing is, it should be about your life, about your legacy. And I think, first off, it needs to start with conversations, 
you know, what's important in your life? I mean, what are the life lessons you've learned? What are your spiritual values you want to pass on? What kind of value system do you want to impart on your kids and grandkids and your heirs that hopefully will last well beyond you? And that's where the, a lot of the, uh, the legacy planning conversations should start. Now, the mechanics of it, how it administratively unfolds and how you minimize both income taxes and potentially estate taxes and, and, and probate fees and all that stuff is very important. But the most important part is to take care of you while you're alive. That's part of your legacy plan. And also how you take care of your kids when you're gone. So be sure it starts with those important things. And then the administrative and mechanical things just come in to kind of supplement and effectively help you with what you're really trying to do. All right, so I can't get into all those key components mechanically, but it needs to start with a conversation and then move on from there. And make sure that it's, it all coordinates with the other parts of your plan. You know, your beneficiary designations for your retirement accounts and your life insurance and how all that coordinates with your legal documents. And do you need a trust now? Do you need a trust when you're gone? I mean, all those things are very important. Now, then the fifth key area is health care costs, planning for the rising costs of health care. And not just health care itself, but the need. Or is somebody going to have to help take care of you when you get older and you can't live on your own independently? That's long-term health care. A 65-year-old today has about a 70% likelihood of needing more than 90 days of assistance in order to live. And how are you going to pay for that? How are you going to pay for health care costs? The average, in the newest studies, the average retiree will spend about $290,000 in retirement on their health care. That, that's not, that's not long-term care. That's just your, your pure health care. When you look at Medicare premiums, out-of-pocket costs, all that stuff. Now, the good thing is, you don't have to write a check for 295000 the day that you retire. It's something that can be planned into your annual budget. But don't underestimate that. You know, the average 65-year-old that is fairly healthy, maybe you've only got a couple of things going on, maybe a little bit of high blood pressure medicine, a couple things, the average retiree at 65 is going to spend five to 6000 a year on health care. All in, including Medicare premiums. Probably going to double by the time you're 80. And if you have more conditions, it could be more. So that's got to be included in your income plan, in your tax plan, because that, those costs have to be paid with after-tax money. All this stuff is connected. So it's so important that all of these things are coordinated together and that they fit like pieces in a puzzle. And all the dots are connected. Those are the five key components of a of a re comprehensive retirement financial plan. I want to thank you for tuning in this week as we've discussed your wealth because greater wealth provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Thank you to Chris for engineering the show. Thank you to Jill for helping produce the show. And uh, have a great, great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI.
The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.